Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ayana Audible. Today, I have another special guest, and she happens to be my yoga instructor, Layla. Mm. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Hi, Layla. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm happy to have you here. I'm finally. happy to be here. <laughs> you look nice. Thank you, you glowing. Thank you. Not in my yoga gear for you, right? <laughs> I haven't seen you outside of class, so. I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I have on lipstick and, you, you know, look nice. mascara. I don't really do this often. <laughs> <laughs> you came ready for the camera, okay? I came ready. My first question is what is the type of yoga you have the most experience in? So my first certification was in vinyasa yoga, which mm -hmm. it literally just means to link your breath to your movement. So with every movement, there's an inhale. With every movement, there's an exhale. Mm -hmm. But you probably know as well, I'm also certified in pregnancy and postpartum. So I actually really enjoy teaching pregnancy yoga, but vinyasa is for everyone. So I try to I try to market that the most. Got you. Yeah. So can you tell me where are you from? I mean, I know, but I want my people to Let know where are you know from, where, where you from. grew up. All right. Yeah. So I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I lived in Michigan for almost 25 years. And then I moved to California, um, which was now seven years ago. And I lived in San Diego for one year, and I've been in L.A. for six years now. Okay. Yep. You love it out here or what? I love the weather, girl. There's no salt stains on my boots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to start a car. It snows in Detroit, right? Ooh, it, uh. It's understatement. We're surrounded by the Great Lakes, so mm -hmm. it gets below zero, and nothing stops when it snows like that. People expect you to be at work on time. Uh. You know, you're outside scraping your windshield, starting your car early, sliding through stop signs, holding onto the steering wheel like, I might not make it today, but I hopefully I do. I will be able to live <laughs> through that. Yes. How can you tell if you've taught a successful class? Mm. Wait, first of all, how how long have you been teaching uh, certified classes? I've been teaching for three and a half years now mm -hmm. since becoming certified. And I would say you can tell just by the look on someone's face. Sometimes they come in. I'm an energy reader as well. So mm -hmm. when people come into the class, I can always feel when their energy is lighter at the end. Um Sometimes they'll just come up to you and say, that was a great class. And you're like, yes, I knew it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Me. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but other times it's just in how they leave. You know, they yeah. might walk in tense, shoulders here without realizing it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just takes those few rounds of breath and you can already tell that someone has settled into their spirit. So yeah. It's a feeling more so than, than a gratitude or someone telling you. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because I've definitely, I mean... Every class I'll be wanting to go, but it's been times where I had to force myself, like, mm. get your ass up and go. Cause, like, you're gonna feel good after. Like, I always feel good after your classes, like, every time. So yes. I don't never regret it ever. You make a good point because I tell my students that 70% of the battle is showing up. Yeah. Once you're there, then you're gonna leave feeling better than when you came, you yeah. know? But getting there and wanting to show up for yourself, that is, that's more than half the battle for sure. So, so how long have you been practicing yoga in your personal life? Ooh, so I really only practice yoga for several months before taking a teacher training. Mm. I've always been an athlete. Uh, I played three sports in high school. I was a pitcher in, in college. Okay. Um, so 
athleticism has always just come to me. And I wasn't taking yoga classes, but I was really obsessed with doing inversions, which mm. is, you know, flipping upside down. So standing on my head, I was doing handstands. And it got to the point where when I was sharing that on social media, people were asking me like, oh, could you teach me how to do that? And I'm like, well, I don't want to get sued. I'm not certified. So let me yeah. I should look into, you know, taking a, a teacher training. And it really changed my life because... You know, I think we have this perception of what yoga is. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually when we see it on TV, it's someone sitting cross leg with their fingers connected mm -hmm. and going, um, <laughs> and that's all we know. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're yeah. like, if I can't bend into a pretzel, I'm not taking a yoga class. Yeah. So my my mission with yoga is showing people that it is for everybody at every age, stage, regardless of if you have a lot of money or if you don't have any money at all. I try to make yoga affordable because I think yeah. I wish that I had it a lot earlier in my life than when I took teacher training at 28, you know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And it is. It's very. You do free classes. Yeah. So it's, that's, I think that's really dope to give your time to people your expertise, you know what I'm saying, to yes. people. And that should be costing, what, 60, 70 bucks, like, at a studio, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and, I, yeah, that's that's nice. Mm -hmm. um, I would say I like to make it the donation, you know, yeah. I, especially after COVID. I mean, I don't yeah. want to make that part of the conversation, but it's really hard since COVID to get people to show up for a public community class. Yeah, People are starting to show up again for self-care in other areas, like a massage or a facial. Yeah. But to get people to want to show up and sweat and work out in a community, it has changed a lot in the last year and a half. So my idea was let me just get outdoors and let people know, even if they can't afford to take the class, if you can throw $2 in, if not next time, mm -hmm. you know. I just, I've always been about giving back. But those certifications, they ain't cheap. I'm not going to lie to yeah. you. <laughs> those certifications are I not bet. cheap. And you have to be insured. So every month yeah. I'm paying, you know, insurance costs as well to make sure. For like injuries and yes, stuff like that. Yeah. To be able to put my hands on people and oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, liability. That. So what are the ultimate benefits? Ooh, I think the number one thing is we did just before this interview began is taking a moment to take your breath out of autopilot. Mm. You know, a lot of people laugh because there are some people who actually only teach breathwork classes and people are like, how are you going to teach me how to breathe? I was born breathing. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. It is. Right. <laughs> but how often do we actually is I kind of like the comparison of a meditation when you're driving home and you pull in the driveway and you're like, oh, did I run any red lights? I don't even remember getting here. Mm, I have those thoughts. <laughs> yes, girl. That's meditation. Yeah. And the same thing goes for when we're breathing. We we seldom stop throughout the day and just like, am I breathing fully? Am I using yeah. the full capacity of my lungs? And if you just stop, if you don't want to do five minutes of meditation, you don't want to ever show up for a yoga class, I'll tell you, at least take one minute a day just to slow down and take a deep inhale through your nose really fill up your belly to your lungs and then let it all out it'll have you feeling so different yes for mm -hmm. a fact yep. um so that was going to be my next question about meditation mm -hmm. so how does that play a part in yoga how do you think like that correlates with each other so I think that's another kind of stereotype with meditation is once again, we think that we have to be still and that our minds have to be quiet and we have to have music playing. Mm -hmm. But meditation is actually any time that your dristi or your, which is just Sanskrit for your focal point, is just completely on one thing. So 
Meditation is when you're driving. Meditation is when you're cutting vegetables before mm. you cook a meal. Meditation is when you're writing, mm -hmm. you know, by hand. Meditation is drawing, artwork. Meditation is anything that requires your full focus. Mm -hmm. And um, me personally, my mind is always running a thousand miles a minute. So same girl. Yes. Lord. Yoga mercy. for <laughs> me. It's like it brings me back to that center. And that's yeah. specifically why I love the more challenging postures like inversions because mm -hmm. all of your focus like as you know if we're doing crow pose you can't be thinking about what you're making for dinner yeah, and you might lose not. your front teeth trying to balance on <laughs> yeah, your hands oh, yeah yeah exactly. definitely i like that you said um you could be driving and meditating and not even like be paying attention but somehow you still got home safe or like yes. wherever to your destination safe like i think that's so crazy how the mind works like that so my next question is like because sometimes I have hard times like like if I want to sit down and meditate, I mm -hmm. can't shut off what's going on. I yeah. don't think that's the goal, though. I think it's to just let it pass. Yeah. And sometimes the meditations are successful and sometimes they're not. They're more like my thoughts are more potent. Mm -hmm. In those cases, what do you suggest? So I think... It's the same thing when it comes to going to a yoga class, showing up is half the battle. Yeah. The fact that you sat down and just you saw where your body was at. So when I teach a yoga posture and I give off cues of what your alignment should look like, I do the same thing when I know my mind is not ready for a meditation, which mm. is I start from my toes and I go all the way up to my head. Mm -hmm. So if my mind's thinking about everything I have to do for the rest of the day and I know it's not going to be quiet during this meditation, then I'm just going to be like, okay, well, what does my body feel like right now? I might do like close my eyes and wiggle my toes a bit or move my ankles and then imagine that I'm tracing up every inch of my body which does a couple things. One, it takes you from your mind wandering to other places, which it's natural for your mind to wander. It's just about reeling it back in when it does. Mm -hmm. um, and two, it gives you time to just remind yourself that you have this fascinating body that's working so hard for you every single day. Mm -hmm. And we're always thinking about what we don't have usually what we need to work on, but we forget all of the beautiful things that we do have already, like our heart pumping for us every day. The mm -hmm. fact that we can fully inhale and breathe. There's people, you know, on oxygen tanks, et cetera. So just in those moments, it can make you feel so appreciative for what you do have, even if you came into it with a lack mindset, mm -hmm. as I like to call it. Trying to so get out of that lack. So it's safe to say you don't have to necessarily be like um to meditate exactly. right 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 <laughs> it's just it. about focus finding some type of focus and not letting the thoughts and the chatter in your brain yeah take over and right. sometimes though those thoughts are your you know regardless of if you're religious if you know if if you believe in god if you believe in angels whatever mm -hmm. i believe that a meditation is a time where like that's when you're the most connected with source whatever your source may be whether it's your own spirit you think god exists within you those thoughts sometimes are, are downloads, as I like to call them. Mm -hmm. So if your mind is going to a certain place over and over, that might be a signal. There may be someone you haven't talked to in three months who pops in your mind during meditation. Mm -hmm. That can be a message or a download, as I call it, to reach out to that person. Maybe they really needed to hear from you and you don't know. That, and that was your time, your space to slow down, quiet down. And you got a little message, a little token that you weren't even expecting. Hmm. Yeah. What if that person is not good for you? I don't know about Ooh, that. <laughs> then that could be a download. They about to reach out to you, girl. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you can't act on that. That's no. That's very true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> what would you say is your greatest weaknesses and what are you doing to improve them? Mm. My greatest weakness would have to be comparison. Aww. Yeah. Um, anyone who says that they've, they're have they never jealous or yeah. never envious, I, I call bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. we're, we're human beings. We have eyes for a reason. You know, we compare, we judge, we do all of these things. It's But it's about what you do with it or noticing what those emotions are when you're comparing yourself. So for me, as you know, I've gotten off of social media. Yeah. You know, I have a YouTube that's monetized. So, like, that's a little different. Plus, I'm not spending all day scrolling on YouTube. I'm uploading and then I keep the day moving. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that's been the biggest thing for me, especially as a small business. You know, we feel as though we need social media to thrive nowadays. Everything is online. So I had to get to a point where what's the cost? What's the benefit? And the benefits of the new students coming in and the money wasn't equating or, you know, overriding the cost for my mental health. Mm. Uh, I just I just simply couldn't find that happy medium of being on social media. And sometimes you just got to admit to yourself what works for you and what doesn't. So biggest weakness would be comparison. And what better place to compare yourself than on social media? So I had to remove I'm like, I can't control how other people are, but I can only control my actions. So all I really could do was remove myself from it. Yeah. And I think social media is such an important thing right now in our generation. So I can see mm-hmm. what you mean and wh- what you feel when you say that, because it will be inhumane for somebody to say, oh, I don't get jealous or I don't feel some type of way. Or right. Like, I mean, we wake up every day and we hop on there. We can, the we have no thing. choice but to compare ourselves to even our, fa- our family and friends sometimes. You mm. never, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, exactly. It sucks, but that's the reality we living in right now. But it really It takes is. a strong person to really be like, you know what? Yeah. I got a business, but I don't even need to be on social media right. to thrive. I like to believe that word of mouth is still alive. It know? is. It is. <laughs> it is. It but is. We've, it's just hard to even communicate because... You know, if you're not on social media, that's where all your peers are. Mm-hmm. I had to realize that, one, your peers are not necessarily your target audience when it mm-hmm. comes to growing a business. Because your your friends and your family aren't necessarily going to be the first people to support your business. Yeah. So once you let go of that, expecting everyone you know to be sharing your business and showing up for a class or whatever, then it's like, okay, then you can focus on the people who really do need what right. you're offering. There's always people out there who need that niche service that you're giving yeah i used to get caught up in that too like oh they're not supporting right it's just petty because it's like they might not like it genuinely or they might not not need it or it might not be something they're interested in you know you're not the first person to say that to me i'm gonna play devil's advocate here and say Mm -hmm. it costs nothing to support your friends on social media you write about that. So even if I don't like yoga or I don't want to go on 20-mile bike rides or join your hiking group, yeah. it costs me nothing to share to my story or to my feed what you're doing and what you're putting out. Because there might be, even if I'm not interested, there might be someone on my timeline who's interested. Yeah. And that's just me showing support. And it's yeah. It's free. Yeah. And I think people forget that it's free. That's a fact. You know, <laughs> I was going to give y'all some grace, but she said it. <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> so in your opinion what makes your classes unique Ooh, i could tell y'all but i want you to answer okay i'm excited <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in hearing your answer 
Um, okay, in person, my classes, and this is something I've struggled with as well uh, since everything's moved to virtual. Mm-hmm. And I think the, one of the a lot of the things that make me a good teacher are the ambiance. Yes, I I, I come with the oils. Mm-hmm. I come with the stones. The I music. Put my, the mute. Uh-huh. My playlist. Girl, be banging. My playlist. <laughs> and so all the things I love because a lot goes into curating a class and just getting up for sixty to seventy five minutes and speaking in front of people yeah. from your heart and then hoping it resonates with them and that they leave feeling a little better, leave with something that they didn't have before they got there, and. My classes, I love just the sequencing portion of it. I want the music and the vibrations to resonate with you. So if if we're sweating and we're trying to balance in a in a strength pose, I want that music to be firing you up. Mm-hmm. Um, I want the cues. I want to correlate and weave into the class a story that's going to resonate with your spirit. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This does. It isn't just about yoga. Isn't so there are eight sutras of yoga, mm-hmm. and the physical practice is only one. So mm. yoga is a lot more. It's about diet. It's about how we move in the world outside, off of our mats. And a lot of what we learn on our mats, we can use in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. So trying to leave people with the little gems, trying to drop in little pieces of knowledge that people don't think is woo-woo if I just try to randomly bring it up online. Yeah. Um, you know, the sound bowls. I love oh, the that's frequencies. my favorite part. <laughs> yes, down to, you know, hand massage, to slight yeah. neck adjustments. That's what makes my classes, I feel like, unique. I would agree with all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. But my favorite part is the sound bowl. Yeah. My favorite You know, part. I almost brought it today. I'm like, I wonder if she wants me to bring it. I'm you like, could have, girl. See? You could have had this all set up. And I like how he got the can- the candle already I should have brought my bowl. Okay. See, yeah. Next time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> next time for sure. What's the most important skill that you feel that each yoga instructor should possess? Mm. I think humility <laughs> is one. Yeah. Um. Knowing that we're not perfect as well, I, I don't think you have to be the best at every posture to be a great teacher. Some teachers, they just get up in front of the class and they talk. They don't have any music and their voice mm-hmm. is their instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, other teachers are really good with alignment cues because if you look around the class and when you're a new teacher, you get nervous because you're taught Okay, you start from the toe of the head and you give them two cues. Even though you learn 45 cues in the body for every one posture, you only can say about two before you move on to the next exhale. Mm-hmm. So knowing how to say things where it's going to resonate without maybe calling someone out in class, knowing that humbling yourself and realizing I'm not doing everything perfect while I'm telling you to do something perfectly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times during class, I'll check in like what what's off in my body? And then I think if it's off in my body, it's probably off in one of my students' body. And then that's a cue to me to send it out to them. So just an awareness, a lack of being rigid, which I can be in my, like, I'm very organized. I'm super early for everything. That's always <laughs> how I've been. <laughs> so, like, letting some of that go in yoga class, sometimes you'll come in with a sequence, especially as a new teacher. You're supposed to be prepared with a sequence for the class. You Mm -hmm. have a warm-up, you have your heat, you have a peak posture that we're working to, and then a cool-down. And if you come into a class, sometimes with an all-levels class, I've had a 78-year-old in class before, and I've had a 16-year-old, and they're all in the same class. So Mm -hmm. everyone has different abilities. Right. So I may have come in with, you know, oh, we're going to do balasana, crow pose today. 
But then I look around the room and I'm like, that's not going to be an option today. (laughs) So just like throwing out the window, whatever I came in with and reading the room. That energy is everything. Like some people come in, they're tired. So that sweaty Mm -hmm. class that I had planned is not what we're going to be doing anymore. And then when I see you moving, then that might take me off. Like, okay, they definitely need a little bit of this. So being less rigid and structured and more just open to receiving what your students' nonverbal cues are saying to you. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I like when you always ask, what is it that you want to work on today? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we end up working on what I need. Sometimes it doesn't, but it still benefits me regardless. But I like when you ask that because sometimes you'll structure the the class regarding whatever it is that's bothering us. If it's if it's all in alignment. So you got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. How much uh, yoga do you think a person has to have to get stronger, more flexible? Ideally, I think you should practice yoga at least three times a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just because yoga is this delicate balance of strength meets flexibility meets knowing to not hold your breath when you're being challenged. Mm. So a lot of moves which translate over to any other fitness thing you do, you know, flexibility takes time. Some people, we'll say, are born flexible. I'm born athletic, but I wasn't born flexible. It's taking years and I'm still not the most flexible person. And the more consistent you are with anything, you know you're going to get better. better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I would say at least three, I would want to say four, but three times a week, just 30 minutes. And even if your practice looks like showing up, putting on your sweatpants and socks and laying on a bolster in Supta Baddha Konasana or mm-hmm. reclined uh, cobbler's pose, which people are probably like, what is she talking about right now? <laughs> Look You're it up. Putting your soles <laughs> and your feet together and just laying on a bolster. If that's what logo- yoga looks like for you that day, yeah. honor that. Yeah. It's all about honoring your body. It doesn't have to be this power flow. I'm sweating. And that's the number one reason that I love yoga mm-hmm. is because I grew up so competitive, playing a lot of sports. Um and when I started practicing yoga, I realized I'm not in competition with anybody. You can't be right. in competition with the person next to you on your mat. You might, you know, tear your ACL. Yeah. So you can only show up and try to be better than you were yesterday. But if you're not feeling it that day, you have to honor your body. So it's yoga is a very humbling experience for someone who wants to be the best athlete or wants to be the most competitive mm. because you ha- you can't take it that far every day. Do you think it's a good replacement if you don't want to work out? A, yes, okay. a wonderful. Can pe- people can like lose weight. Lose weight. Okay. You can build long, lean muscles. Um, because you might see someone in a Warrior One pose and be like, eh, they ain't working that hard. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, come over here, let's get in Warrior yeah. One. All right. Next, you know, your hands shaking, <laughs> your knees are shaking. Yeah. It's, it's very much a workout. Yeah. It is. You That's, know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man, it'd be times where I get it one day and then the next practice, I don't got it. I'll be like, damn. <laughs> What's the most rewarding thing in yoga to you? Uh, I would say to see the growth because it is so small. Um, The flexibility. Sometimes, like the other day I did a pose and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I could do that. I was really proud of myself. And... It takes years to be able to get to certain things. Like small little accomplishments. Exactly. It's yeah. not. I mean, training for a marathon, that type of thing. But it's not something that you can be like, all right, in 90 days, I'm going to be 90 days to my press handstand. It may take you nine years to press into a handstand or you may never press into a handstand, mm, you know? Yeah. So it's 
it all comes back to that humbling experience, but that's what I love about it. How do the chakras in yoga go together? I love that you talked that. <laughs> all right. So the first way to remember the seven chakras, because I feel like it's, it's hard to, to remember them. So a lot of times in elementary school, we're taught Roy G. Biv. I don't know if you remember that, the colors of the rainbow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the exact order of the seven chakras from your root through your crown. Mm -hmm. So the, the R, that's red for your root. Uh, the orange is for your sacral. The yellow is for your solar plexus, which is like just beneath your ribs and between your belly button. Um, the G is green for your heart. Um, Roy G. Biv. Blue is for your throat chakra. Mm -hmm. uh, indigo for your third eye. And then violet for your crown. And those are the main chakras because there are more, right? I only know of those seven chakras. But if there are more, you, now, you tell me I've read that there are supposedly more. Like, mm. those are the main ones. But there are, like, See, at you're least, like, teaching me something. Now yeah, I'm gonna I've have read to go that there are more. I don't know what all they are. But mm -hmm. I've read that there are more. But, yeah. Yes. And a lot of times we can find, a lot of people believe, well, we are energetic beings. Yeah. Um, and different emotions people can believe are stored in different parts of your body mm -hmm. so a lot of times different frequencies like that crystal singing bowl that i play that's 432 hertz which is specifically for your heart chakra mm -hmm. so if you're going through a heartbreak or maybe you're just not feeling very loving mm -hmm. um or you are looking for love the right kind, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's it, it, All of that can resonate. And what I used to love with my public classes is when you play that frequency, I would ask everyone to close their eyes. And while I'm playing, wherever you feel that frequency vibrating in your body, like put your hand there. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me to see the different places. It's usually on one of the chakras um, where people end up putting their hand, where it's resonating for them. And usually that can be somewhere where you're, opening that chakra or it could be where you have a blockage but it's always interesting to see how we interpret it differently in each of our individual bodies mm. yeah so when you talk about aligning the chakras in yoga or like meditation how does that all relate because some some people think that they're working on their chakras but they don't meditate or they don't do yoga or they mm. don't you know what i'm saying oh this is a deep okay um a lot, we can store traumas in our bodies. So sometimes, you know, you're for womb health specifically, because I'm also a doula. And with pregnancy, we focus a lot on womb wellness. And, you know, that can be your root to your sacral chakra. That's where you hold your sexual power. That's where you hold your past partners, your current partners. We store those energies, even if you're not physically with someone anymore you're walking around carrying their energy still mm. and so sometimes we're like why do i keep thinking of that person in my mm. meditation it's because you stored them you know mm, and i it need to clean out my sacred <laughs> 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 like for real <laughs> yes yes damn yes and they each usually have different words so like you know the yellow is you think of the sun power and that's what the the um your solar plexus is it's your mm -hmm. power your personal power how you navigate maybe for someone they're a yes woman or a yes man mm. and so learning how to say no might help unlock that that personal power because you're not running around doing everything for everyone else leaving you know burning the candle at both ends mm. the root can be you know grounding yourself because 
the earth has electromagnetic fields, right? Yeah. And grounding is taking your bare feet and putting your feet on the ground. We're not technically supposed to live 30 stories in the air. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to take time. On floor 25. You got it. You got to sometimes take your shoes off and walk in the grass. It has healing powers. Yeah. Yes. That's a fact. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, I'm asking for myself and also for whoever's watching, of course, but... When you talk about the chakras, right, and you want to talk about working on them, do you have to start at the bottom or do you start wherever you feel like needs the most work? Exactly. Wherever you think needs the most work. Okay. Um, For some people, if you feel like you're going through a spiritual awakening or an evolution of consciousness, Mm. it might be all about your pineal gland, your third eye chakra. Maybe you're getting more headaches. You can't figure out what is going on. Why do I keep feeling something right here? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes in the beginning of class, we'll just gently press. It's like that intuition. I like to believe that our our stomach, our gut is our second brain. That's why it has all those microbes. That's why when you get nervous, you feel, we call them butterflies, you know, Mm, or you walk into a room and you're like, oh, these mofos were just talking about me, weren't they? You know, (laughs) your second brain, you you may want to write it off with your rational brain, but, you know, it's letting you know energetically. So really you're... Taking that time to close your eyes and just seeing where you feel it, maybe where you feel stuck physically, you might feel tension or you may just feel like this is where I need work. And maybe it's just listening to that singing bowl and seeing where it resonates with you. Yeah, got you. What is your definition of a spiritual awakening? Mm. Because, I mean, I think we all have them. Yeah, And I think we have them multiple times throughout our lives. Definitely. We we just don't recognize them maybe when we do have them. Yep. So I think I've had them several times. And sometimes I could recognize them, but sometimes I was a little confused. You know, I didn't know if it was anxiety. I didn't know if it was like PTSD or whatever. Yeah. Like, how do you know what it is and like, what does it mean to a person in their evolution? I love that you asked that. We definitely go through many of them in our lives. Um, sometimes you may go through a few and then realize like, oh, that's what that was mm-hmm. when reflecting on the past. Um, me personally, I just became a why person. I no longer was accepting things at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, I always want to do my own research. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the most popular influencer, celebrity, and I've loved you since I was a kid. I'm like, mm, if it don't feel right, well, that means that I need to look into that a little bit further. Yeah. So spiritual evolution or awakening can be just no longer accepting the status quo. Maybe it's losing friends in places that are no longer serving you. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be like just one day you realize hanging out in the same group of people, you no longer feel as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, I just don't resonate the same way. And it's not because you love these people any less or they love you any less. But, you know, there's all that saying that people come into your life for a reason, mm-hmm. a season or a lifetime. And sometimes recognizing when that season has ended is key. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's hard. It's so it hard. Is key. It's so hard. And then we can fall back like daylight savings time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yes. When it's like, OK, so are there like physical symptoms? Mm, yeah. So the headaches with the third eye, mm-hmm. um, that can be your third eye opening, just mm-hmm. starting to see the world in a different light. Um, other physical symptoms, definitely anxiety. I think... Sometimes we ignore things because we are so constantly on our Mm -hmm. phones and doing this, you know, just looking everywhere but 
spending time with ourselves. I think the perfect example, I watched a YouTube video before I came here. And um, it's my struggle with technology. And I just, it's it's really, it's, it's a whole different uh, interview for a whole nother day. <laughs> but a good example of, okay, let me see your phone just for a moment. So this is what he did. He said, now if someone walks, if you were to come up to me and you were to ask me a question and I'm holding my phone while you're asking me, you may not feel like you're the most important thing in the room or mm-hmm. that I, you have my full attention. Right. A lot of times we think if we do this, that makes it better. It really doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes it takes physically moving it out, mm-hmm. setting it on a shelf, turning it off, turning off the TV. Now, Ayana, tell me what it was that you wanted to ask mm. me. That whole thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. That so, does matter. It matters. Yeah. Yep. I noticed that now, even when I hang out with people or whatever, they always on their damn phone. Always. Like. Yes. I'll be wanting to enjoy the moment sometimes. I don't mm-hmm. like always being on the phone unless we're watching something together. Right. Like I'm showing you something. Like mm-hmm. If we t- both tuned in to two separate things, it sucks. It's like. Yeah. Or you're out to eat at a restaurant. Yeah. And someone goes to the bathroom. And maybe we were having great conversation and neither one of us were on our phones. But we've become so reliant on technology yes. that the minute that person goes to the bathroom, we're like, right. okay, right. do I just look around the restaurant? Right. We don't even feel comfortable in our own company mm. is what I feel. Yeah. Like, we don't know how to just be with ourselves in yeah. silence. And a lot of times that says a lot in and of itself. Yeah. We don't know how to enjoy just our own company without consi- access to the entire world. Yeah. You know, without that dopamine of a follow, a like. Right. Oh, this went up. Oh, I got, you know, a laugh new subscriber. or something on there. Exactly. Right. Yep. I think I've been put in situations where I have to sit by myself now. Mm. Like even with relationships, with friendships, maybe it's my perspective changing a little bit to where I don't yeah. want to play around with certain shit no more. So I'm just like kind of retreating to myself now and it's a little lonely, but it's cool. I yes. won't even say lonely because it's not lonely. Mm-hmm. It's just solitude. It's solitude. Yeah. And it can I think lonely is okay. Yeah. Um because I feel like that without social media now, yeah. especially in the first few, now it's been about 6 months that I've been off the social media, going on 6 months. But I would say in the first month I'm like all right, I'm waking up, not reaching from a phone and muscle memory. Because even if you don't want to be on Instagram, it's mm-hmm. like the muscle memory. Next thing you know, you're like, wait, I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I swear I just put my phone <laughs> over there. How did this happen? Yeah, And yeah, this it feels lonely because for me personally, uh, our peers, that's where we all congregate. Yeah. You know, people don't walk up to people on the street anymore and strike up conversations. Mm-hmm. We have the most audacity just to live our best lives on social media maybe it's because we have the time to correlate our thoughts onto paper and write the best caption or Mm -hmm. you know what I mean put it with a piece of artwork and we can better you know express ourselves but it can be lonely when the majority of your peers and family are all on a few networks and when you remove yourself from those you really realize who who cares because yeah because Someone has to text you. Like, yeah. you can't just DM me now and hard eyes or fire right. to my story. Now, now you got to call and text because yes. I ain't nowhere to be. You, you can't just. Exactly. Yeah, that's my true. morning cup of coffee isn't reminding you that I'm alive. Yeah. So now you got to actually think about me and then make the effort to call or text or set up a face to face. So yeah. that can feel lonely when you're used to 50 likes a day and right. 15 DMs. And, yeah. 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 It's, it's some adjusting. To Definitely. get used to, like, yeah, it's a real energy shift. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs>
Okay, what are three character traits that you think your friends would describe you as? Um, three character traits I would say highly organized (laughs) that's just who I am especially you know RT would say that about me just because he sees how I organize everything Um, free spirited definitely I don't follow the crowd (laughs) at all Um, the third honest I would have to say that I I feel like I spent a good majority of my life being a yes woman or a yes girl Mm -hmm. you know I always was kind of looking for acceptance which Mm -hmm. who isn't that's human human connection is is everything Um, and sometimes living in your truth when it doesn't look like how everyone else is living like you said can be lonely yeah and overriding that loneliness or that solitude and making it more of this is a positive shift for my mental health Mm -hmm. i feel like is everything yeah yeah i try to refrain from putting myself in that victim state you know like Mm. why is you know like why is this not happening or why is this happening like instead of looking at it like this is my chance to get better like this is i don't have nothing holding me back right now exactly you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just it's uncomfortable because i'm not used to being here but Mm -hmm. it is beneficial because it's like i don't have nothing holding me back no extra drama nobody talking mess to me every day nobody Mm -hmm. trying to hold me back controlling me or like you know you got it i feel free Mm -hmm. at the same time so it's about perspective it is yep oh what is the difference in a big ego and a healthy ego because a lot of people Mm. get to talking about i got a big ego or it's my ego and blah Uh blah blah Ooh. Ego is everything. Yeah. Ego have you messed up out here. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a good and a bad side, right? It, what what, it what is. do you think the balance is? I think the balance is... Oh, that is a good question. I'm going to have to think on this one. I mean, bad ego is, you know, that jealousy and envy that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how I've shifted ego is a little... I kind of touched on it earlier, but going from a lack mindset to a growth mindset. And Mm -hmm. you explained it perfectly. You know, we grow the most when we're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. If your friends, your group of friends, if your circle, if your job, if it's not challenging you, you're not growing, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. Um, That's the reason why we cross train when you're trying to build different muscles. It's why you do, you know, different types of workouts. And the same thing goes with spiritual, emotional, and mental growth. Um, And ego will have you feeling like, why is this happening for this person, but it's not happening for me? And that always comes back to that lack. Mm -hmm. So let's say, you know, my goal is I'm going to have $50,000 in my savings account. So instead of focusing the next day on, oh, I just got an overdraft fee. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of focusing on that lack, switching that perspective and finding a growth mindset in that. Not a, I don't have, but I'm going to have. What do I need to do to get this? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we can wallow in what we don't have or what's going Mm -hmm. wrong versus what's going right. And a lot of times that's our ego. We don't want to feel like we're less than or we Mm -hmm. have less than the next person. That's A lot of that is ego. Um, The good side of ego, I think, is facing your fears because they say Mm -hmm. success is on the other side of your fears. Um, A good example in my personal life is I always had a fear of heights. 
now same yeah. oh my god i yes. think like in my past life it i fell from a building or something, or something. Yeah. Girl, me too i this, really think whew. it's an irrational fear because yes. i'm like i know i'm fine why yeah. am i why am i tripping right yeah. now um <laughs> only we understand because we scared of heights exactly. but people always ask me that like you're so scared of heights you don't want to get on a roller coaster no nope. now see Ooh. what i will say is mine's a very specific fear because i actually love roller coasters mm. i don't mind flying my fear of heights is ascending on my own two feet going up stairs without being buckled in mm. without railings you know or because i'm tall you're tall too yeah. You know, a lot of, like, balconies on buildings, they don't be tall for tall people. They're, yeah. like, right here. So, yeah. like, I'll get that woozy when I look over the edge. Mm-hmm. Like, that type of irrational. So, when I graduated college, I told myself, like, I'm going to jump out of an airplane. Because I can't think of anything scarier than that yeah. in my life. Yeah. And so, I worked up the courage. And it took me to, like, three years after college graduation to do it. You did it? But I did the damn thing. Oh, my God. And it was the was most it? exhilarating thing to this. I was 24. I'm 32 now. <sighs> I want to do the most that. I to do that yes. I'm not ready yet but I want to do it girl yes <laughs> I don't think I would do it by myself but I did the tandem so you know yeah. I got the professional on my back in case I pass out yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> what was the feeling like Like ugh. the feeling is nothing like a roller coaster I think when you get on roller coasters it's like your stomach's in your throat yeah. you feel that like ooh it's nothing like that it is I would say the closest thing to flying. Mm. So when you first fall out of the plane, your rational mind is like, this is not natural. But two seconds in, you instantly are like, you're light as a feather. You're seeing the world from this whole different perspective. You're Mm. defying gravity. Well, not technically because you're plummeting towards Earth. It just don't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it was an amazing feeling. Like, I would definitely do it again. Um, And it doesn't feel like you're dropping plummeting to your death it, it feels, doesn't no you feel light as a feather what yes you yeah. look like you are but you don't feel like it that's crazy yeah exactly wow that's the I'm part of it that surprised it. me the most yep yeah you i'm gonna have to do it, do it. I'm, I'm, i was gonna wait till my 30th birthday but i think i'm gonna probably try to do it before then there you I go get the courage let me know. I could go again with you. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could tell me to calm down. Don't chicken out. I'm already in the sky. Just jump. Just jump. Yes. So what are ways that a person can maintain a healthy ego? Mm, I think honoring your emotions as they come. Mm-hmm. You know, not beating yourself up when you're meditating and you start thinking about like, oh, yeah, I forgot to pay that bill. Or, oh, I got to do this when I'm done. Just... Honoring yourself and giving yourself space to feel whatever you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, we we place these restrictions on ourselves sometimes, and I feel like ego can get in the way of that. Um, the biggest thing with battling ego is, for me, I... I <laughs> I read something that said, you know, when you walk into a room or a party and you're trying to, you know, communicate with people face to face, instead of trying to get people to like you, try to find reasons to like them. Mm. And that is a great way to quiet your own ego. Because instead of walking in like, I'm a lawyer, <laughs> I'm a doctor, you mm-hmm. know, like, this, you should like me because insert A. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, see something about you 
and dive a little bit deeper. Get past those surface level conversations of how much respect should I give you based on your mm-hmm. occupation and, <clears throat> and find like a real way I can connect with something that and then leave that conversation liking you more than when I walked up and making yeah. it less about me. Because people, they say, you know, people ne- don't remember a lot of things, but they remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if we focus more on making other people feel good, that energy just comes back, back tenfold. To us. What is your take on the mental health in our generation? Do you think that because we have all of this information is getting better? Mm. Or do you think it's neutral? Like, or do you think it's getting bad because we have all of this information? Yeah. So that's a tough one because everybody's different. You know, Mm -hmm. my struggle with social media may not be the next person's struggle. So they may be like, okay, just because you comparing yourself and you feel in a certain type of way don't mean that I can get on there and not feel like that. So, you know, I really feel like it's to each his own, but technology personally for I feel like it has a negative effect on our mental health because mm-hmm. a lot of the the relationships and the communication we have is synthetic. It's not face to face. You know, if we're looking for that dopamine, we're just going to open an app. Or if you're looking for a date, you can swipe on Tinder and, ha- and have three dates that night. You know, mm-hmm. it takes out the boring part of being human, which yeah. is time. Think good. The best things in life take time. Like yeah. if it comes easy, it's probably not the best thing for you or it's going to leave just as easily as it came. Mm. So the same thing with mental health. I feel like it's just this delicate balance of like using technology not to not to where it's a huge part of your life. But I mean, that could go. People were like, well, I mean, you, you use electricity, right? You flush your toilet, right? You know, yeah. so I don't mean that type of technology. Um, although I do feel like The Nature Fix, there's a book I'm reading called The Nature Fix. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, just battling depression and how we can find happiness just by spending time in nature. Mm-hmm. So I feel I feel like mental health really we have a lot of access to information, but a lot of the information we have is is on this little device that can go so south so quickly yeah. because it is so addicting with the, the dopamine, you know? Do you think it's us that's using it wrong or do you think that it's social media itself that... Because, mm. you know, humans are destructive. So, yes. <laughs> like... You're right. Um, part of it is... It's psychology. You know, Mm -hmm. politics is science. That's what my bachelor's degree is in, political science. So a lot of times, my sister, she's a doctor. And we have conversations. A lot of people want to go fall right into the medical science. Well, medical science doesn't back this up. What we don't realize is that marketing and politics a lot of times are based on psychology, Mm -hmm. which is medical science. Mm -hmm. And they're using it against us. Yeah. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Ads, commercials. Yes. It's all to figure out how to keep you on there the longest amount of time. And a lot of times they say if you're not on Instagram buying a product, if you're not consuming, then you are the product, Mm -hmm. which we are. They're... If we're not spending money on Instagram, it's because they're making money off of collecting our data. Mm-hmm. So that's either way it goes, it's just like, yep. I seen a post that was funny the other day, though. It said, uh, y'all think y'all doing something by putting ads in the middle of my video, but you're really pissing me off to where I don't want to buy it. <laughs> 
for that's real. Facts. Like, don't be trying to cut me off and oh, try this new lotion. Like, right. no, I don't even want to try it now because exactly, like, you cutting me off. Like, that's not how you grab my attention anymore. It's like. true. It's so true. With um, because I do tarot on on YouTube, and yeah. some people either they believe or they don't. That's fine. It's like yeah. you know, if that's your thing, if that's your cup of tea, it is. But when I was working up to making my channel monetize, a lot of people hate ads. I get it, you know, but, you know, the ads, I don't sell anything in the middle of my readings. Yeah. But um, the ads rolling in general make some people be like, oh, yeah. why, do I have, <laughs> why do I have to watch this yeah. right now? You yeah. know, but what I learned is when I was figuring out how to market, because marketing is all psychology, what I'll notice is when you open up a YouTube video, sometimes the first thing out of someone's mouth is make sure you like and subscribe yeah. if you're here. <laughs> oh, well, I'm a like and I haven't even heard nothing from you yet. Give me a chance to figure out if I like what you're even talking about right. first, you know? And this one girl's like, I'm going to let you in on a secret. If people want to subscribe they're going to subscribe. Right. You know, That's like, what facts. I do when I want to subscribe. I, I watch it first and then talk about some, wait, hold it's, on, before you finish watching, go, like, no. Yeah. Can I finish now, seeing what you're going to say? If you find a little good segue in there to where you really just drop the bomb and then yeah. you're just like, now if this is resonating with you, then click go, that like right, button. Right. But if it's off the gate, you're asking yeah. me for something, I'm like, you didn't even give me anything yet. You know what That's I'm saying? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting a little thirsty out here, man. <laughs> Um, okay, so we almost are out of time, but my last couple of questions are back regarding to like meditation and yoga. Um, what is namaste to you? Mm. Namaste is the divine in me bows to the divine in you. Mm -hmm. And so I say that at the end of practice. I don't think people realize that that's what the namaste translates to. Okay. Um, and it's just recognizing that no matter how physically different we look, no matter what your social economic status is, um, how much education you have, like, mm -hmm. I see you if you're homeless, you know, I'm I'm from the Midwest where people smile and wave at each other. Mm -hmm. When I first moved to L.A., I'm like, oh, people just root out here because because they can be. I don't like in New York. It makes sense. People yeah. people are hustling, bustling. There's no room on the sidewalk. Yeah. People here act like they don't see you when you're right in their face. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just very important that human connection, because how are you an influencer and you have millions of subscribers, but you walk down the street and you can't smile at somebody? Mm -hmm. You never know that smile could save someone's life. Yeah. You know, so that. Like the divine in me recognizes that divine in you goes a long way. Like I'm no better than you. You know what I mean? With No matter how many followers I have, no matter where I live, it's just that recognition of we're all souls. This this little meat sack body I'm rocking, right. you it's know? temporary. It's temporary. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's so true. And that's so real. Well, um, time went so fast. Mm. I didn't even realize it. That's usually how it goes here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, since nobody can find you on social medias, um, what what do you have? You have a website, right? I do have a okay. website. Yeah. So um, it's namastewithlay.com okay. and lay is L-A-E. Okay. So namastewithlay.com. I'm going to have that up. Perfect. And yeah. then if you are interested in tarot, you know, I do spiritual videos okay. there as well. It's namastewithlay, a.k.a. Black Your Bunny. Your YouTube channel. Yep. Black okay. Bunny Tarot. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah, you do a little bit of everything. I really do, girl. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for I having really me. I really appreciate you. I didn't even get to everything, but I want you to come back. I was gonna say that just means you have to have me back. Yeah, that's because clearly that's exactly I have a lot to mean. say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys for watching. Thank you.